You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. All right, good morning, Citizens Church. How are you? Okay, I'll take it. It's, it's family worship weekend. Uh, it's so good to be with you guys. My name is Corey Butler. I am one of the ministers on staff here at the church. I get the privilege of working with the students. There were 70 of them serving at City Campus Weekend. I'm really proud of you guys. It was really great. Uh, I've been here for the last three and a half years with my wife, Meredith, and all three of my kids are in the service this morning, which is really cool. Um, it is a joy to get to partner with parents, whether that be through students or kids, uh, to join with parents and guardians as the first voice in their kid's life. The first voice in their kid's life, uh, that's a voice that's more powerful than all of culture disciples our kids towards, uh, the voice of a parent or guardian that says that God is real and the only place that life is found. That's the first voice. That's what I'm so glad to join you in. Um, Emily was up here earlier pointing uh, some thanks towards people in the room. Um, she would naturally not thank herself, but special thanks to Melissa Cotter, Kenzie Owens, Sydney Rowell, and their army of beautiful humans who pointed our kids to life in Christ. So what I'd like to do uh, with our time this morning uh, is a bit of a recap of City Camp. Uh, our theme, as you can see, and as we've sung this morning, was all about the light. Here are the four points that drove our times together. Uh, God's word is the light. Jesus is the light. God's children are the light. And Jesus is the everlasting light. While every day was not necessarily an equation that was leading to the next day, each day does point to the next and then they point to uh, each other. These things, this theme of uh, the light. Uh, in a service like a family worship weekend where there's a lot of different types of folks in the room uh, from our littles uh, up to parents and older, um, it, there's a danger to think of certain truths as truths that are just for uh, our kids. Uh, in a similar manner that if you were here last week, you might be led to believe that Jamin's sermon on the Trinity was one that was just for adults. Um, but in preparation to teach at city camp, uh, when I was there all week long with the kids, my heart was reminded of how much I need the light. My heart was reminded of how much we need the light of Jesus to shine in the darkness of our hearts and to shine on our families and on our world. We don't stand over these truths about the light of Jesus this morning as something that we would just offer to our children. These are things that our own hearts need. Instead, as a people this morning, what I, I hope we do is we'll submit ourselves underneath this, longing for them to take root in our lives. They're true for us and the highest hope that we have for our children, okay? So this is not simply family worship weekend with the kids in the churches this Sunday where the church is gonna sit under the beautiful truth that Jesus is the life. He is the light. So because of that light, the punishment of sin is broken. The power of sin is breaking and the presence of sin will one day be banished. Okay, yeah, thank you. The punishment of sin is broken, which is revealed in scripture. The power of sin is breaking because of Christ's work on the cross, and now the Holy Spirit's work in God's children. And the presence of sin will one day be banished, but the light of God, the light of God will last forever. Forever, amen, yes. So let's, let's do this. Let's pray towards these things. Let's submit ourselves to God's truth in this time. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray now in Jesus' name, we pray, God, that we submit ourselves, our hearts, our lives to this truth that Jesus is the light. 
Your word is trustworthy and true. It shines the light on the darkness of our hearts, on the world around us, but it also speaks to the all-powerful light of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, would you come and move now? Would you speak to our hearts? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so day one at City Camp was all about God's word is the light. Let me read this to you. Uh, The Bible is God's true word. It is from God and about God. It's the source of all truth. It's made up of many parts, teaches about many different things, and helps God's children in many ways. But it's first and foremost a book about Jesus. It's his story. God's word is the light, and that shows us how to clearly and rightly see God, to rightly see ourselves, and to rightly see the world that he created. In the Bible, we receive a beautiful invitation of the place to come and find where life is truly found. We are invited into the greatest story ever told in God's true word. Uh, I'm personally entering into a strange season in youth ministry. Um, I'm getting ready to have my oldest child and his best friends in the youth ministry. Uh, Yeah, he's glad. There they are. Okay. He... um, he recently asked me not too long ago at the dinner table, he said, Dad, what, what makes middle school so much different than elementary? Now, if you shuddered at the thought of answering that question, just know that I did too. I kind of drew back just a little bit. And then I just started going off about the depth, the difficulty and the darkness of the stories that were presented to him in middle school. What I didn't notice was his eyes beginning to fill up with dread. Um, and at that moment, I felt Meredith's gentle arm, uh, hand on my arm and giving me a slow down, you're scaring the kids look. And as I returned to my senses, um, I called his heart back, um, my heart back. I called our hearts back to the truest story of scripture that shines a light of truth, strength, hope on his overwhelmed 11-year-old mind, on mine. This is what God's word is for his people. The light of God's word says this in Psalm 19, 7 through 10, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. God's word is the light, pointing us towards what is most true. Day two. Day two is Jesus is the light. Uh, We started Tuesday with the bad news that all people are born into darkness. This darkness is called sin. The bad news is that there's nothing that we can do about the darkness of sin on our own. We are slaves to it. But even though we're powerless against sin, a greater power exists. Jesus, the light of the world. There is a greater power. His name is Jesus, the light of the world. He overcame the power of darkness and he died on the cross and rose from the grave. He is the only one that can save his children from darkness. It's Jesus. I love the NLT version of John chapter eight and verse 12. It says this, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I think it's really easy to look at the pain and suffering, the spiritual blindness, the wickedness in our world and in our hearts and become incredibly discouraged. Perhaps you've asked, much like I have, 
Okay, why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't he act? Why doesn't he do something to to change this all? But the reality of God's word reminds us God has done something. He has decisively acted in Jesus. It's a decisive action where Jesus attacked the darkness. In God, Christ was his answer. Author Dr. Kathleen Nielsen said it like this. She said, this is why Jesus came to shine in the darkness. This world's been dark with sin and sorrow since the fall. We must not close our eyes and pretend it's light or assume that we can make it light. Joy comes in and sorrow heaves up to meet it. Light comes in, the light of life, and death gets exposed. But that's not all. Of course, that's not all. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, John 1, 5. No, the light overcomes the dark. Joy doesn't just expose the sorrow, it pierces it through. How did Jesus pierce the sin and sorrow through? This is what we need to know, to think on in order to suffer the death all around us now on the way to life and light. How? Jesus took our sin and sorrow, man of sorrows that he was, and he was pierced himself on the cross in our place, light of the world by darkness slain. These are comments, of course, after reading Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. God's word is the light speaking truth to our hearts and lives, helping God's children. Jesus is the light that sets people free from their sin. The punishment of sin is broken in him. Day three, God's children are the light. All who believe in Jesus, who trust in his salvation from sin, who receive his gift of life are adopted into God's family. Because of that rescue, God's children are called to be the light and the darkness of the world. God's children shine as lights in the world as they live with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing the things that Jesus did. The light in God's children does not come from themselves, but from the great light himself, Jesus. Um, I love to play hide and seek with my littles. Uh, It's something we still do in our house a lot. Um, It's one of the games that we can all agree on. Um, and it keeps everybody moving for quite a long time. Uh, our house is, is, is kind of like a, a European English house. There's lots of doors, lots of turns, lots of corners. Uh, so it's really fun to play. When Liam, our oldest, hides, uh, he chooses a very obscure, uncomfortable place um, and will stay there until he's found. He will not come out. Uh, Norley, our seven-year-old, when she is found, she wants to accompany me um, to find the boys, which Liam will usually be last. Uh, but my four-year-old, Jude, is not great at hiding. Um, Probably because he's four. Um, Picture toes peeking out from underneath curtains, um, legs still sticking out from underneath beds. Um, And then this last week when we were playing, uh, I entered the laundry room to find him because I knew he was there to hear, woohoo. He just can't stay hidden. Uh, It's almost as if he doesn't want to hide. He wants to be found. You guys, God's children should be just like that. There should be no hiding the light of the one who loved us first and perfectly. There should be no hiding. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God's children are to be obvious 
noticeable, recognizable, pushing back the darkness, all for the glory of God. Ephesians 5 reminds us, God's children, that if you're one of his children, once you were darkness, once you were lost in it, once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light who have been rescued from sin. God's word is the light. Jesus is the light. God's children are the light. The power of sin is breaking. Day four, Jesus is the everlasting light. The battle of light versus dark has existed from Genesis 3 until now. It's, it's, it's been there since then. It, it's seen in scripture, in literature, in film, in games, and in every other corner of our world. Um, when I'm at home uh, and I actually get to sit down and watch television, um, I prefer sports. That's usually what I'm going to watch. Um, or watching um, the battle of light versus dark happen in, in movies, right? So it's, it's Marvel movies. It's, of course, Star Wars. It's Lord of the Rings. Um, it's, it's crime and justice films where, where good defeats evil. Um, Meredith prefers none of these. Um, but as I watch these things, as I watch the battle of light versus dark, um, something wells up in me every time. Every single time that I watch these movies, something rises up in me. Um, and yet at the end of these films, there's, there's more of them repeated over and over again. The darkness comes back again and again and again. It's why these movies will continue to be made and why we understand them. We experience that same darkness. Even the entertainment culture has tapped into the truest story of all time. There's a darkness in and around us that causes pain and suffering and hurt and brokenness and loss. And the world is broken in a need of permanent deliverance. Permanent. It's where when we watch in the end, we're not wondering when it's going to come back again. As followers of Jesus, we believe that the Bible teaches us why the world is the way that it is. And one day, all sickness, sadness, and suffering will end because the presence of sin will be fully removed from God's children when he returns. Fully removed. Darkness will be defeated. Jesus, the everlasting light, will shine victory over darkness. God's children will live in the presence of the light with God in his kingdom forever. This should draw a smile to your face. It should excite you. Revelation 21, one through five says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne says, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Or as Revelation 22 goes on to say, no more curse from sin, no more night. And the truest story of all, darkness will not prevail. Sin and darkness, brokenness and sadness, pain and loss will be banished when Jesus returns to make all things new. God's children have hope. 
God's word is the light. Jesus is the light. His children are the light. Jesus is the everlasting light. And because of that light, the punishment of sin is broken. The power of sin is breaking and the presence of sin will one day be banished. So in light of the light, in light of the light, we submit ourselves to these four truths. I want to ask four questions in closing. Then what, the, what can the Holy Spirit do as we ask these questions and pray on these, asking the Lord to cause them to take root in us? Uh, first question is this, because God's word is the light, what kind of relationship do you have with it? Because God's word is the light, what kind of relationship do you have with it? Uh, my family and our entire home group likes to go camping together, and we all agree on it. Um, in our camping box that we take with us, there's a bag of flashlights and headlamps that we only use when we go camping. I wonder if that's what your relationship with, God, with God's word is like, only using on certain occasions. Or perhaps it's like the flashlight in the kitchen drawer there in case the power goes out, in case something bad happens. Or like the massive police flashlight that my dad kept in his truck reminding me I could use it to blind or cause harm. Friends, our battle against the darkness is sustained by the steady presence of God's word in our life, submitting to it, being reminded of who God is and what he has done and then what he says about us. In this life, followers of Jesus will always experience a battle between what feels real and what is most true. We need God's word. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Question number two, because Jesus is the light, what does he say about our sin? Uh, the human heart needs no help with shame and fear, none. We fear being fully known, wondering if we'll be fully loved, expecting to be fully destroyed. The sin in our lives and the culture we live in tells our hearts to hide. It does. And, and pray that no one finds out for fear of social death or fear of being canceled or fear of the loss of really anything good at all. Our sin chains us to a dark place that we can't escape on our own. Sin is a liar that tells us to keep our brokenness in the dark in order to preserve life. But because Jesus is the light, he longs to shine his light, the light of his love on our sin. He'll never shame. He will never steal. He will never take away, but instead bring flourishing and freedom because God is always and only ever good. This is his response to our sin. He will always respond to the humble confession of sin with kindness and mercy and restoration. This is what he does. It's why we say things here like it's okay to not be okay. Jesus meets you there. And so do God's people. If Jesus is the light, then we want to be found. Question number three, because God's children are the light, what, what should be our collective desire? What should be our, our common hope? Um, individualism in the West um, here has created a dark cloud over much of the church. Uh, the trouble is that when many Westerners read um, biblical commands like the Great Commission, uh, we tend to read it as instructions for individual fulfillment uh, rather, rather than commands given to communities. Jesus did not die to rescue isolated individuals. He died to create the church. Okay? It's why at city camp, at the end of city camp, I, I had all the parents and kids look around at each other, all 211 kids turn around and look at their families and look at their, their friends and look at each other to see who was with them. It's why I gathered up those 70 students serving at city camp to take a look and to see who was shining with them. 
That's why. So friends, do me a favor. This is a group project. Will you look around right now, please? Look around. This is a group project. We're called to shine together. We push back the darkness of sin and brokenness together. This is we. We are the church called to be an outpost of light in a land of darkness, an embassy of the kingdom of light. Lastly, question number four, because Jesus is the everlasting life, what do you believe about your suffering? Because Jesus is the everlasting life, what do you believe about your suffering? There's plenty of darkness in the world right now to make any of us tremble. There's plenty going on to make any of us tremble, whether we are in it right now or experiencing it from nearby or from afar. But thanks be to God, he's not afraid of the dark. He's not powerless against it. He does not leave us alone to fend for ourselves. God sent Jesus, listen to this. Luke 1, says, God sent his son Jesus to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. His light doesn't make the darkness any less dark, but it conquers every shadow with something stronger. That means we don't need to pretend that the darkness isn't dark. If Jesus is the everlasting life, that means he remains with us in the darkness, in the suffering, in the pain. He is there. He is present. He rose from the darkness to prove that the darkness does not have the final say over our lives. That's what he did. In our suffering, we receive comfort in knowing it won't always be like this. And one day, sad things will be untrue. It will be untrue. Um, to close, my favorite moment in one of those movies that I mentioned a minute ago that makes me think all about this scene uh, is from The Lord of the Rings. In the second film, moving towards the end, uh, if you don't know the movie, two small hobbits are traveling to take a ring and drop it into... Never mind. Okay. The, the main character, Frodo, was coming to the end of all that he could endure. And he told his friend, his traveling companion, Sam, he said, Sam, I can't do this anymore. He said, I can't do it anymore. Beleaguered, dropped his sword, says there's nothing else he can do. This was his friend's response. He said, it's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way that it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out all the clear. Beloved, Jesus is the everlasting light. Let me pray for us. Father, we believe we believe that Jesus is the light of the world. Because of that light, because of that love, because of your providence for us, God, the punishment of sin is broken. For your children, for those whom you have rescued and called to be a part of your story, God, the punishment, the eternal punishment of sin is broken. And Lord God, we believe that the power of sin is breaking through the, the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within your children, God. The power of sin is breaking. You are granting and giving flourishing and freedom in Jesus' name. 
And Lord God, we believe, we long for the day that the presence of sin, when darkness and brokenness of all that sin has caused will be banished. God, we pray to you. We believe these things. We believe, God, that your word is the light. Lord God, we believe that Jesus is the light. Lord God, we believe that God's children are the light. God, we trust that Jesus is the everlasting light. I pray that these truths will sit upon our hearts, God, change us, that as we move away from this place, Lord God, we would shine as lights in the darkness. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.